we have to put a, a bit of this on. Okay, yep, we can do that. And then I have to just put a helmet on. Yep. Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly, and today on The Detail, I'm on a tour of Ports of Auckland with Brodie Stevens, country manager of the global shipping giant Swire Shipping. As we drive around amongst the stacks of containers, past the piles of scrap metal and a massive cement dome, I'm getting a glimpse of what's going on in shipping right now. What's behind the supply chain crisis, the sky-high shipping costs and the push for a revival of a coastal shipping service to get more cargo off our roads and onto the Blue Highway. So, Brody, here we are. Um, would you say we're, we're port side now? We're oh, inside oh. the port gates. OK, what so, are we looking at here? So we're just currently just looking at the car terminal. So this is where the um, imported cars come through, mostly out of um, Japan, Asia. What's, what's this ship in front of us here? OK, that's a, a car carrier. So basically they come down to New Zealand full of cars. Looking at that ship there, it mostly carries about 6,000 cars. You've been in this business for a heck of a long time. How would you describe what's going on at the moment? Well, there's a lot of pressure on the shipping supply chain, and it's not just, I suppose, in the, the shipping side. It also relates to the ports and the inland logistics with distribution, warehousing, um, and it's, I suppose it's something people, when COVID hit, we didn't kind of think it was going to hit us like this, but it has. Mm. But it's just put a lot of pressure. And in shipping, one of the challenges actually is a kind of shortage of ships. Five or six years ago, there was an oversupply of ships. There was lots of capacity, whereas now there's a shortage of capacity. Oh. And that just reflects the demand of what's going on. And you can right. see here there's a lot of new trucks. So that's the demand. That's what New Zealand needs. Interesting seeing all these camper vans... Possibly that's instead of people travelling overseas, they've bought a camper van and see New Zealand. So where we're driving now is the what they call kind of general wharves. But this is where all of our um, international ships come in. So our vessels are known as multi-purpose type ships. So they carry containers, but they also carry brake bolt cargo. And one of our big imports into New Zealand is construction steel. We're looking at big sheets of steel, oh, steel there. Yep. There's not, not very many there, though, is it? Because um, there's so much demand and they're moving, being moved pretty move quickly. Move quickly, and this, this ship, I think our last ship was in about a week ago, and we would have discharged about um, 10,000 tonnes of steel. Where would that have come from? Japan, Korea, China. You'll see a whole lot of containers here on the right, so the ship which is working here trades to the Pacific Islands. So all of these containers will be um, exports going up to the Pacific Islands. And what would be inside there? Pacific Islands, I suppose you'd call it a bit of a grocery trade, so there's kind of foodstuffs, manufactured goods. If you look at these tanks on the front, that's mostly fuel in there, which goes to some of the kind of more remote parts of the islands. These kind of white containers are reefer containers, so they, they possibly could be taking up meat, produce, which kind of goes into the islands. You know, now that the tourism's coming back, the demand in the hotels will be for things like that, so... Yeah. Sorry. I always say to people, if you look at a supermarket and you walk around and you look at the product on the shelves and you read the labelling and look where it's come from, you know, 99% of the time that would have come, if it's overseas, it's come in by a ship. You know, shipping, they say, is what, 99% of world trade. It's yep. that high. What's this wharf called? So, this again, this is part of the general wharf. So if you look here on, on the left here, there's a whole lot of scrap steel, which has just come from scrap dealers in, in New Zealand, but that's exported. I think a lot of scrap steel goes to Korea at the moment. 
the price of steel's high at the moment, so everyone will want scrap steel. If you notice around, there's always these ads in the paper, any car, anywhere, any price type thing, meaning a scrap dealer says there's, there's kind of, was it money and muck? Yeah. This has all just been stockpiled here, and a ship will come in, and that'll all be loaded. And then over here, I mean, there's several big cranes, those huge yep, So that's the container structures. terminal. So that's where the large international ships come in, and what they do is they run scheduled services. So you'll have services from Australia, from, um, from Asia, from America, from Europe, and they come in, and basically it's all containerised cargo. And there are just... Dozens, maybe yep. hundreds on the yep. port right mm. now. Yep. Yeah. So Auckland, a lot of our imports into New Zealand come into Auckland. And, the, and then the empty containers, the idea is that they would then move south to go into export regions in New Zealand. Mm. You know, it could be Timaru, Nelson, places like that. We're parked next to two big ships now. One looks like your typical container vessel. The other is carrying some very precious cargo. This is, this is quite an interesting ship you've got here. This is a what they call a kind of specialist type of ship and that actually it's got very heavy cranes on it, can lift very heavy things Yeah. this particular ship though is carrying a lot of um, very luxurious yachts and, oh, and it cruisers is too. And oh. I actually saw the ship in here yesterday and it loaded a very large New Zealand yacht which has obviously been manufactured here which has been sold to someone overseas It's called the Happy Delta and there are some beautiful looking yachts, yeah I suppose the other term is gin palaces Yeah <laughs> Uh, and where would they be going to? Um, so, some people who own those boats might want to position them up into Europe. They might want to take them up to Asia or somewhere like that. So instead of sailing the yacht up there, you move it up there. Right. Um, it's not cheap to do that. How much would it cost? I don't know. A 40-foot boat may cost you fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 to get it transported somewhere. <sighs> you know, the ship has a charter rate, so what daily would it cost to, to hire that ship? And at the moment, charter rates are incredibly high. I don't think we've seen these for, for many, many, many years that, that charter rates have been so high. They're building a lot of ships at the moment, so when you build more ships and there's more supply, then the charter rate will come down. Someone's making a lot of money from the high cost of shipping. It's must, is it the shipping companies that are making the money? So the shipping companies are very profitable at the moment, but if you go back in time, they weren't very profitable. And, and again, why weren't well, that? Because of competition. The analogy I like to say to people when they say, oh, shipping costs are too high, is that owning a ship is like owning a building that has a life. So that ship you're looking at there, that would that'd be about 10 to 15 years old. It's mostly got another 10 years' life in it. So like owning a building, you want to get the return on it. So if you have a building which has got a life of 30 years, so you get 10 years really good rent, 10 years average, 10 years poor, at the end of 30 years you'd say that's been a pretty good return. So with a ship, it's the same thing. To build that ship today would cost you, I don't know, $60 million US. But shipping at the moment, I suppose, is, is yes, they're, they're doing very well. But they've got assets, and the cost of shipping isn't cheap. Mm. I, I think, you know, shipping rates are high at the moment, and they reflect demand. Um, but to me, if there's more ships about, then you'll see shipping rates will start to come down again. Mm. Um, when? Well, it takes two years to build a ship. So if some clever people are building ships now to come onto the market, possibly two years' time or 18 months' time, it might happen. Over here you'll see that what we call a... That these are, this is a large container ship I'm looking at here. Yeah. And it's um, obviously discharging a lot of imports coming into New Zealand. Is that a big ship by... Uh, not, not world standards. So if mm. I said that was what I say, about 5,000 TU. So you're looking at 15,000 TU ships, which are enormous. In fact, they'd be too big for Auckland. 
or New Zealand ports. So out the ships we have at the moment, the big ones are eight to 10,000. But what's happening in the world, ships are getting bigger, and they call less ports. Um, I can remember in my early days of shipping, you know, a ship would arrive in Auckland, discharge, then it mostly go to, to Bluff, it might go to um, Dunedin, then it might go to Christchurch, and end up possibly going to New Plymouth, and then Napier, then Tarragon, then possibly come back to Auckland and then leave, because they weren't big ships, and that's how they operated. But they're on the coast for like three or four weeks. Yeah. Whereas these ships here come into port, that ship will be in for 24 hours, 36 hours, onto the next port and gone. Right. So it's all about efficiency, and it's it's a it's like a network. You've just got to keep these ships moving and working. Is that part of the the problem with the whole supply chain, and that the ships are going to fewer ports? I think that's another challenge. That the current challenge is really is about congestion in ports. So when ships have to wait to get berths, that's a problem. You know, it means the ship's not working. These ships work on rotations, so that every every week there'll be a ship like this for that particular service coming into port. But when they get delayed, they get behind. And um, when ships are delayed, then there's delay in the cargo coming off. So that's the challenge at the moment, is this kind of port congestion, which has been caused by COVID. Mm. If you look at China at the moment, it's just a massive ships waiting outside some of the key ports like Shanghai waiting to get a berth. Um, and we've had the same thing here in New Zealand. Currently off Auckland, I think, there were one or two container ships the other day, but I know in Tauranga you've got log ships waiting for a berth, you've got container ships waiting for a berth. You know, in New Zealand we have got, um, still because of COVID, we haven't got the stevedores to work on the ships at times, so there's a kind of labour shortage. Because they're, they're off with Well, with COVID, COVID or, yeah, yeah, plus also, you know, New Zealand's challenge at the moment, we haven't had immigration for two years. Um, we haven't got truck drivers, we haven't got stevedores, we haven't got people to work in warehouses. So that's the challenge. All those things delay things. And, and is, is the problem as bad as it's ever been? I'm just wondering if it's things are starting to kind of ease off now, the pressure, or is it the same? Well, I, I'd like to think things would ease off. With COVID, hopefully, we're getting it under control um, it's getting you know, less cases, but again, if these new variants come about, what's the impact of that? You've got winter coming. But, but I, th- I think the other thing is you've got places like Australia, which are opening up. Um, we're in danger, just like nurses will be attracted to go to Australia to work. Stevedores in New Zealand are attracted to go to Australia to work. There's more money, and you've got a, kind of, a generation of people who haven't travelled for a couple of years, so they want to go. I, I know in Tauranga we, we're involved with a stevedoring company down there, and it's difficult to hire staff. We're definitely paying people more, um, which, which is a good thing. You've got to attract people, but it's just finding people. There's a massive shortage, and as I say, if you talk to anyone in the transport industry, they're always looking for people. I think, I think immigration is one of the solutions, and uh, I have to be careful what I say, but I kind of just think we just seem to be so bureaucratic about anyone wanting to immigrate to New Zealand. It just seems a battle. Uh, any of the jobs on this priority list? So we, we operate two ships in New Zealand on the coast. There's an opportunity to bring seafarers in um, because they are specialised people, they're trained, and yes, there is an allocation for that, but I must admit we haven't looked at it so far, um, but we will look at that and we'd like to encourage it. If you look at the Pacific, there are a lot of good seafarers come from Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, places like that. It would be good to bring them in. Where does the whole coastal shipping fit in with this, the domestic do you call it the domestic shipping service? Yeah, it's domestic shipping, so coastal shipping. In New Zealand there are dedicated ships on the coast like cement ships, 
we run the only container ship. Um, there's a small bulk ship. There's obviously the Inter-Island Ferries, and there's another company, Bluebridge, which is in competition to them. If you look at the whole freight demand or the freight task, you know, domestic shipping is about 5-6% of the volume carried, so it's mm. not a lot. Swire owns and operates 36 vessels and ships to more than 400 ports around the world. It also owns the only New Zealand-flagged container vessel, the Moana Chief, which operates like a weekly bus service, carrying goods made in Auckland from toilet paper to beverages to other parts of the country. It also ships imports destined for other ports such as Littleton, and it carries export cargo back up the country to be shipped off by international lines. In the past, before we had road and rail, we relied on coastal shipping. You know, every region had a port, mm. and they had small coastal ships going in that same thing. So... I think the key thing about coastal shipping is if you look at what's happened in supply chains, you know, if these ships are delayed here, they can't go to Littleton. So a coastal feeder service can help them out with that. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing about coastal shipping. The other is you've just got to look at this whole sustainability. You know, the most sustainable transport solution in New Zealand is coastal shipping. If you get down to carbon emissions, we're right down the bottom compared to road, and then obviously rail's gone above shipping in that. Mm. And, uh I think that's something fundamental people have got to get to grips with, is to say, if you are serious about reducing carbon emissions, which we are, and the government's come out, I think 40% of our um, carbon emissions are related to transport. So if we really want to hit these targets, we've got to reduce our carbon emissions. And I think if people switch to coastal shipping for what we call inter-island transport, mm. so it's the North Island to the South Island, the South Island to North Island, you can actually make a big um, dent into that. Well, why, why aren't we? Because, you know, Annette King put out a report uh, in 2008. Sea change. And that, sea that change, was the first yeah. government which I think really took it seriously. And has anything happened. changed? Not really. No, I think the, some initiatives have kind of happened, but the basic principle was to say, how do we create more coastal shipping? Full marks to, really it started with Phil Twyford and Michael Woods has carried it on to say, we've got to do something about coastal shipping. And they put $30 million, $30 million over three up, years. Yes, and, and a couple of weeks ago we've put our submission in. We are asking the government to underwrite if we bought a second ship in. Are you talking about... A new coastal ship, just built, to operate on the new, coast. brand new. Yep. Well, we've potentially got a, another ship in our fleet that we could bring in to do that. OK, there's the ship, bring it over. There's the demand for it. Um, well, the, the de- we think the demand is there. We know the demand is there. Um, the challenge at the moment is finding a ship is what I talked about before. There's a a shortage of ships in the world. There won't be any issues, we think, crewing it with New Zealand crew because it has to to be registered New Zealand and crewed by New Zealand crew. But that's a bit of a challenge too, finding crew. But but, the thing about coastal shipping, it's it's there and it's it's kind of been forgotten about. We talk about it being the blue highway. I think you could describe it as the forgotten highway. Finally, the government has come up with this fund. I, I know I always say to people that since 2017... The government's given $8 billion to rail, whether that's in new equipment, whatever, and I'm not, I'm not bashing billion rail. Billion. billion. There's a lot of money. We need rail. We need a rail network, and we need a road network, but we also need a coastal shipping network. So it's not just having the ship, it's making sure there's the infrastructure and the yep. linked in transport. And one thing COVID has highlighted, some inefficiencies in the, in the network, but it's giving us a chance to look at those things and say, how do we do it? If we had a second ship, we think there's about 30,000 containers that we could move out of Auckland to the South Island. 
If we move those 30,000 containers by ship, that's 32 million kilometres of trucks not on the road. Is that 30,000, what, a year? A, a week? year, per, a year. per year. So, and, and again, there's, the market's big enough, there's, there's much more than that there. Yeah. So that's quite a significant reduction in carbon emissions. In a detailed podcast about domestic shipping last December, the service was criticised as erratic. Brody Stevens says that's wrong. Is it unreliable? No, it's not actually. I think this year we've missed one port. Um, I think where he referred to the minor chief was the fact that due to losing a significant amount of cargo, we couldn't justify going to Nelson each week. So we go there every second week now. Um, we'd like to go there weekly, and mm. if we had a second ship, we would go there weekly. But I think that's the other thing. is It's the old thing. You have to pay for the service you get. So when a ship goes into a port, if we don't exchange three or 400 containers, it's not worth going there. It's like a bus if it goes to a bus stop and there's no one there. Well, why would the bus go there? It's a bit pointless, really. So, so I think that's where that came from. And it was disappointing, and it wasn't directly because of us, because we've, we've, well, Pacifica in its history has always called it Nelson. Mm. And places like Nelson, I think of Nelson, I think of Timaru, um, you've got to be careful who you call regional in New Zealand, but some of the other ports need a weekly service to feed their cargo up, and that's what COVID's taught us. You can't rely on international ships always getting there to get the cargo. So I say to people, we, we haven't got a Red Cross painted on the side of our ships. We're not a charity. Yeah. Um, we've, we've got to be there for the right reasons. But that's, again, supply and demand. I don't quite understand why there's not enough to pick up from Nelson. Well, there is cargo there to pick it up, but there was an alternative way they could have picked that cargo up. So another shipping line, an international line, was actually going to pick that cargo up. And is that a problem, the fact that, you know, are you competing against the big shipping lines? So, so what I mentioned right at the start, there has always been this thing about the level playing field, like, we, you know, we, we, we pay ETS um, on our fuel. Uh, international lines don't pay that in New Zealand. We obviously pay POA on our, on our employees. New Zealand seafarers are paid more, but to me that's, I think they work, our guys work really hard, so they should be paid where they're paid. Um, it's just that unlevel playing field, the fact is that international ships carry a lot of coastal cargo, um, but at the moment they can't because they've got priorities for their export cargo. So that level playing field thing is an issue, and it's one of those ones which various governments have tried to address, but no one's really come up with a solution. Um, mm. To me, you can bang on about something for years and years and years, but it doesn't change, possibly you've just got to live with it. And we live with it, mm-hmm. but we'd like to see a more level playing field. And now how that's done, that's quite a challenge and various ministers of transport, both Labor and National, have looked at that saying, yes, yes, we need to review that, but they've never come up with a solution. Um, but I think the, the, one of the great benefits of coastal shipping for regional New Zealand is we'll be there every week, and that's what they need. And, and people need to think that through. I think, um, who was it, Don Braid from, from Mainfrat, I heard him speak a few, well, a few months ago, and he made the point, you know, when things are tough, don't start changing your, your suppliers and chopping and changing. Stick to people who can help you. So I say to anyone, and I've talked to various regions. I actually haven't. Don't think I've talked to the guys in, directly in Nelson, but some of the other regions, you know, some of the local business and the councils there. I say, you know, it's, it's if we make a commitment there, support us, mm. because it's so important that you know the reliability has to be kind of fed. But what about the big question of emissions? Will ships ever stop burning fossil fuels? 
The government's new emissions reduction plan puts a focus on decarbonising heavy transport and freight, but there aren't any specific new initiatives to support coastal shipping. Brodie says Swire is working with Canterbury University on a study of alternative fuels. It's also looking at a... Dual fuel ship for the New Zealand coast. In fact, we're kind of doing a project to say if we did it, we'd build two of them. And by dual fuel, it would be fossil fuel plus an alternative fuel. And the alternative fuel obviously has the lower carbon emission. How quickly can you get that second ship here in New Zealand? What what are you waiting Um, for? I don't want to give away trade secrets. Oh. We'd, we'd want it here pretty quickly. No, we, we could do that. Two or three months, we'd get a ship here. So that's a, that's a kind of now thing. But you know, the dual fuel ship—that's the really exciting thing. By putting more on on ships, you'll reduce carbon emissions in New Zealand. Mm. But the big game changes are when you start having the right type of fuels mm. to power those ships. And and so the dual fuels—what? How far out is that? Well, there's quite a few ships being built around the world now doing that. But it would be an absolutely very minute amount of all the ships on floating. Yeah. We're, in, we're in a hurry though, aren't we, on this? I mean, you know, the warnings about the, the state of the planet are, are coming at us thick and fast, it feels. Mm. So what are we talking about? Is it years? The targets are there, it's how you get there. And I think now it's, it's the responsibility of the shipping lines to get on and do something. So as I say, what we're doing in Swire we're saying, let's look at this. This is a great project to look at in New Zealand to build and if you can build two ships for New Zealand which work when you say well you could take that to the rest of the world you've done your research you've done your development can they be done here could could they be built here the ships couldn't be built here we don't have shipbuilding in New Zealand Um, and again shipbuilding you've got to go to China Korea places like that but it's having the fuel supply one of the things if you look around here all these ships while they're in port are using their their engines to power the ship yeah overseas some ports you have what they call cold ironing where you basically plug it into the local power network using electricity yeah so one of the projects we want to do here in Auckland is to power our cement ship when it discharges using power from the grid but it's not as simple as just buying an electrical cord at Bunnings and, and running an extension down to the ship to say oh, aren't we great you've actually got <laughs> yeah. to invest in transformers mm. but I think we're saying we've got to get on and do something we, we run a commercial operation we're out there we're trading we're doing this but at the same time there is that commitment, like ourselves and other shipping lines, to say we've got to make these changes. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism, funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom 4RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Sarah Robson. And thanks to Brody Stevens. Kakite anō.